Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to tune in every week to the program. And uh, we just want to thank you for that because it's, uh, you know, tell your friends about it if you're enjoying what we're sharing. Uh, we've been sharing from the book of Hebrews. We're going to continue that again today. We've been for the last two weeks talking about chapter 3 of the book of Hebrews. Before I get in the Word, though, I wanted to mention, because we are near the holiday season, I wanted to mention some of the books that we have available that I think will be a blessing to you. The, one of the first books, I wrote this in 2007, is titled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is really about Jesus Christ. When I read the book of Revelation and said, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, I thought to myself, we preach everything but Jesus from a book that's titled The Revelation of Jesus. And so if you've been afraid of the book of Revelation and you're looking for an alternative view, this book will bless you because what I do is I take the first five chapters of the book of Revelation and I show you that what this book is about is a revelation of Jesus to you will produce a revelation of Jesus through you. And the revelation of Jesus that He was giving to the seven churches in Asia was what was able to help them make the paradigm shift from an old covenant paradigm to a new covenant. And it was written to seven churches that were really in Asia. This book will take a lot of fear out for you if you'd, uh, you know, this book's got in the hands of some very powerful people and I believe it will bless you. Uh, the the uh, second book that I wrote is titled The Unforced Rhythms of grace. And this book is from Matthew 11 where Jesus said, uh, I'm, I'm quoting from the Message Bible, Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me and I will show you how to take a real rest. I will teach you. He said, walk with me, work with me, see how I do it. I will teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. And this book talks about what it takes to flow from this incredible posture called rest. In this book we address some things like the promised land is not a piece of real estate. Some of the stuff we've been teaching from the book of uh, Hebrews, it's more than just a piece of real estate. It's rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when you get in Him, you will flow with milk and honey. The latest book that just came off the press in April of this year, and I think is one of the most important pieces of works I've done, is from Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. What I do in this book is I marry the grace message to the gospel of the kingdom. Because grace is not greasy. Grace is an empowerment, but it's more than an empowerment. It's the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God that brings us into, uh, if you will, a relationship with Jesus where we don't have to walk away from Him in fear. But this book is about turning from law, but turning toward the kingdom of God. It's about turning from uh, the bondage of religion, but turning toward the internal governor called the Holy Spirit. It is about moving from the government of condemnation to the government of affirmation. And I think it's one of the most important pieces of literature you'll come across to help you uh, to be able to understand that in the new covenant we are no longer governed by rules on rocks, but we are governed by relationship with the Holy Spirit. And that's what this book is about. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink. 
It's righteousness, peace, and joy. It's located in the Holy Ghost. And with Christmas coming, these make incredible stocking stuffers. And you can get them by going online at this web address. You can go online at Amazon.com and get it. There's also, um, you know, there are e-books available of these as well, and you can get them. These books, if you order them through us, are $18, and that includes shipping and handling to get the books to you. Our great Christmas gifts, order them, and I believe you'd be blessed to give the blessing of the gospel to someone who you love. Let's go back again now to Hebrews, the third chapter. And while we're turning there to the third chapter of Hebrews, let me just mention to you that if you've missed any of these programs, you can go back to YouTube and you can watch it at YouTube because everything we have aired to date is there. Uh, everything we've aired to date. But you can go back, and there'll be a whole playlist called the Book of Hebrews. Uh, you can also go to uh, iTunes and there is an audio version of this that you can get in your podcast and listen to it on your way to work. The easiest way to do all of that is simply to go to my website at lenhouse.com and there is a direct link uh, to those things, and you can go back and avail yourself to it. Let me get back in the Word uh, the, today. We're going to read Hebrews 3 again. <clears throat> it says, beginning in verse, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope from under the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. Harden not your hearts. Now, I want you. To, this is where we're going, to, we're going to kick in here today. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you hear His voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation, said they do always err in their heart and have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Now I want you to see he keeps on reiterating today. The Holy Ghost is always saying today. A procrastinator is somebody who will not take now for an answer. Now what I want you to see is here we are 2,000 years into the New Covenant, and there are still people who have yet to enter into the rest of God. It's a tragedy to me that we're 2,000 years into the New Covenant, and at best, most people are just a mixture. But see, this book of Hebrews was written to a first century group of Hebrews. That's why the book is titled Hebrews, is he's dealing with Hebrews whom he is calling out of not just a bondage of Egypt, but out of a bondage of a system of law and a system of the Mosaic Covenant and a system where scribes and Pharisees have added things and traditions and on and on it went until these people are so bogged down in bondage 
that the Spirit would make a connection to that city of Jerusalem. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 8, the Spirit would call the city where our Lord was crucified, spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Revelation 11, 8 says, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt. Our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem. But the Spirit makes a connection to that and calls that, that city and that land a place that's spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. See, God was wanting to bring another exodus to these people. And this exodus this time was out of the bondage of being slaves again, because if you remember everything I've taught to this point, and we've done several programs, so go back and, and review them. Under the old covenant, we were servant slaves, but in the new covenant, we're sons. God was wanting to get them to lose their slave mentality and get a sonship mentality. He wanted to move them from, if you will, the bondage and tyranny of a system of legalism to a spirit-led, spirit-governed, kingdom-based, being able to dwell in Christ. Because I shared with you before that the promised land in the New Testament, in Hebrews 3 and 4, is more than just a piece of real estate. The promised land is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when you enter into that promised land, there is an outflow of milk and honey. And we showed you the comparison last week of how Moses, when he was born, Pharaoh killed all the male children. We brought you and showed you how that when Jesus was born, Herod sent to kill all the male children. We showed you how that Jesus fled into the wilderness until Herod was dead, so that out of Egypt have I called my son. And then we took you back and showed you how in the Old Covenant God called Egypt, or He called the children of Israel, called His Son out of Egypt. I showed you how that in the New Testament, uh, Jesus comes up out of the waters of baptism, and He spends 40 days in the wilderness. The children of Israel come up out of the waters of baptism at the Red Sea, and they at that point begin to provoke God to anger. I'll show you that the first provocation was when they came up out of Egypt, and they provoked the Lord, and He said, I'm going to cause you to live in this wilderness a year for every day. You could have done it in 40 days, just like Jesus did in the New Testament. But instead, you did not enter in because of unbelief. And so the children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness, and God swore in His wrath, they will not enter. That generation did not enter in because of unbelief. Now, uh, we'll go back and look at some of these scriptures in a moment, but it was their lack of faith because, see, God brought the children of Israel out on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant, and the only requirement of the Abrahamic covenant was faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And so the people began to murmur and complain and could not call it today, and so they missed the promised land. But you see, they spent 40 days or 40 years in the wilderness, and in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus spends 40 days. Jesus comes up out of the wilderness after 40 days in the power of the Spirit and begins to demonstrate the kingdom of God. And then in chapter 5 of Matthew, He gives them the Sermon on the Mount, which is the constitution of the kingdom. When you see under Moses, 
who is the leader of that exodus, Moses comes up out of the Red Sea. They give an evil report. God swears they'll not enter in. He gives them the law of Moses on Mount Sinai. And you got a contrast under the Old Covenant. They got the law on Mount Sinai. But in Matthew 5, Jesus gives them the Sermon on the Mount. I'm telling you, there's just powerful, powerful examples here. Now, I, I want to go back. I think what I'll do with that is I'm going to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to show you what uh, the, 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 the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians says, the same, says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you would be ignorant, how that all our fathers were under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the spirit, same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Now that's powerful. The rock was Christ, but with many of them, God was not pleased, well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Now let me just say to you, first of all, he said everything that happened to them under Moses happened to them as an example for us, not talking about us here in 2017, but for us, the Corinthian church. Because Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, because they're the transitional people upon whom the ends plural, of the world are come. Now, if you look at any other translation, it will say, upon whom the ends, the ends, plural, of the ages are come. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and he told them, you are the people upon whom the ends of the ages have come, the worlds have come. This again is the Greek word age. Now, the way I like to explain this is, he calls it ends, plural, of the ages. And so the, the, if I had a chalkboard, what I would normally do is draw a big circle and say, this is the Old Covenant age. That's the, end, the, the, the Old Covenant age. And then I would take another circle and I would draw it and I would give an overlap where these two circles would have a gap here of about 40 years. Because the New Covenant age was about to begin and the Old Covenant age was coming to an end, but right in the middle of these two ages coming together, the Old Covenant coming to an end and the New Covenant beginning, there was a 40-year transition from the time Jesus was crucified until the temple was destroyed and the whole Old Covenant system of sacrifice and law was completely moved off the scene. There's 40 years, exactly the same amount of time as the wilderness journey. So there's another exodus that's taking place here in the New Testament. But this exodus is, is a coming out of the bondage of Old Covenant law. 
And so he talks, so when he says the ends of the ages, he's talking about the back end of the old covenant and the front end of the new covenant. These are the ends of the ages, and between these ends of the ages, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he's saying everything that happened to them under Moses was an example for us. And one of the main things he says to them is, listen, man, don't be like the children of Israel. And the key issue here is they murmured. And, uh, you know, the, uh, they were idolatrous. They, they, they wrote, sat down to, to eat and to drink and then rose up to play. But he tells them that they had this spiritual rock called Christ to drink from. That spiritual rock was Christ. He said, don't, don't be like them. Many of them God was not well pleased because... And he overthrew them in the wilderness because they sat down to eat and to drink and they rose up to play. But the key issue here is he talks about they murmured and then serpents came among them. You know, one of the things that, that really uh, caught my attention about that, this is so powerful on any level to any people anywhere. But the Lord just simply spoke to me back some time ago. He said, murmuring creates an environment for snakes to operate. You want to have problems in your marriage? You want to have problems in your church? You want to have problems on the job? You just start murmuring and spread that murmur around and doubt and unbelief and fear and it will become contagious and the first thing you know, you're going to have serpents that come among you. Snakes operate in an environment where there's constant complaint. You know, this is a real difficult sometimes, sometimes to guard your own lips and your own mouth because it's easy to get in a, you know, a complaining mode. But you know, sometimes I think sometimes to us, a bad day in America is a good day someplace else. You know, to us, we're murmuring and complaining when one of our three cars isn't running right, or we can't go to church, you know, because it's hot outside and sitting in an air-conditioned building. But I'm going to tell you something. Murmuring is contagious, but we can murmur about a whole kind of things. But what he's saying is they murmured, and because they murmured, they did not go into the promised land. Now, let me see if I can find this scripture very quickly uh, for you. Uh, 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 Numbers chapter 14 uh, is about the ten spies. Let me go find this for you. Numbers, Numbers chapter 14, I believe it was. Let me find it here by iPad real quickly. But it, it, this is the story of the children of Israel as they begin to go into the promised land. And they've just come across the Red Sea. And this is one of the, this is one of the times when they provoke God. Well, let, let, let me just begin reading here. I'm just beginning about verse 14. And they, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that a cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he sware unto them, therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. Now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great, according as he hath spoken. And the Lord is long-suffering and great of mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, by no means clearing the guilty, the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee the iniquity of this people according uh, to thy mercy, for thou hast forgiven this people 
from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, have tempted me now, watch this, these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land, whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Uh, I, I won't read on down. And, uh, well, well, we'll go down on down here, just verse 27 says, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me, saying to them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness, and all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephna and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones which you said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness for 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. I, I'm telling you, here's the first provocation. I'm just amazing. I got to get built to where I really could say some things and then we're just about out of time. But here's the thing he begins to say is, you provoke me to anger because I promised you a land that would flow with milk and honey. But when you sent spies, you spent, sent the spies in, 12 spies, they went into the land of Canaan and when they came back, 10 of them came back with their focus in the wrong place. And they came back telling you how big the enemy is. They came back telling you how thick the walled cities are. They came back telling you all the reasons why they couldn't take it, that, 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 that we're grasshoppers in our own eyes, and that's the problem. So were we in theirs. Evil report. And then when they came back with this evil report, the people began to murmur and complain and said, Would to God, we died in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here to die? We had it better in Egypt than we had it here. And they began to murmur and complain. But here's the issue. Hebrews 3 talks about they could not call it today because of unbelief. The issue was an issue of faith. The new covenant hangs on faith. Now, I'm telling you, this is really, to me, a powerful message that's practical. Because we are so easily fall into the mully grubs of complaining and instead of focusing on how big God is. See, Caleb and Joshua, man, they went into the promised land. And when they came back, their report was not we're grasshoppers in our own sight. Look how big the enemy is. Their report came back and they said, you're not going to believe the size of the fruit of that land. We are well able to take the land. They are just bread for us. And they had a different spirit on them because I believe their message is focused on just what Hebrews 3 starts to focus on. When he says, hallelujah, Look to Jesus, who is the apostle and high priest of our profession, because when you put your focus on Jesus and take your focus off of yourself, when you put your focus on the new covenant and not the old covenant that's full of performance, 
Because the more you put your focus on your strengths, your abilities, interestingly enough, there was 10 spies that went into the land of Canaan. 10 is the number of laws, the number of commandments. 10 spies go into the land, and their report is based on, again, how big the enemy is. You know, I'm so amazed, even as I, well, I'm trying not to be critical, but as I watch not just Christian television, but most churches, they talk about the devil more than they talk about God. They're more aware of the darkness than they are the light. They know more about the kingdom of darkness. They know devils by their name. They'll chase devils every service. But I'm like, I feel like David sometimes. I want to stand up and say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's begin to talk about how big God is. Because the more you talk about the devil, the more you talk about the difficulties, the more you talk about even the conditions of our world. Listen, I don't have my head in the sand like an ostrich, like there's not some really real problems going on in our world. Anybody that would watch the news knows that's true. And if you're going to put your focus on that and what the enemy's doing, you're going to get discouraged real quick, and you're not going to be able to begin to declare and walk in the present reality of the kingdom of God. But when you begin to take your focus off of what the devil's doing, and you start to put your focus on Jesus and what Jesus did, Hallelujah. And stop the murmuring and complaining and talking about how bad it is and how dark it is, but turn the light on and begin to preach how big Jesus is and what He's done for the problem, who the church is and that we're conquerors, and start preaching and teaching people we are well able to take the land. I believe we're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I believe if we'll take our focus again, off of the evil reports that keep on coming. Listen, sometimes we go to church wanting to be encouraged, and we don't get encouraged. We get the bad news behind the bad news. And especially, depending on where you're at, you know, with some of your understandings of end times, we almost rejoice when we think it's getting worse and worse and worse. When I'm going to tell you, I personally preach a big God and a wee little defeated devil and a dead old man and I'm going to keep on preaching that till somebody believes it because I believe the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I believe we are called to be the salt and the light in the earth, that the world to come was not put in jurisdiction of angels. It was put in the jurisdiction of sons. And I would ask you, what kind of a world do you want to live in? The world you want to live in, you're going to have to frame it with your words. And if you're going to preach about how big the enemy is and how thick the walled cities are and how big the giants are, and you're going to come back with that every time, you're going to be discouraged. But I want to say, oh, magnify the Lord with me. When I say magnify, I think of a magnifying glass. Let's preach God real big. Let's not murmur and complain, because when they murmured and complained, snakes came among them. And even that picture, to me, powerfully pictures something Jesus did in His redemptive work. Because when they murmured, snakes came among them. And God told Moses, take a serpent and put it on the pole and lift it up and tell the people, if you'll look, you'll live. Jesus Himself quotes that in the New Testament when He says, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. This spake He concerning what death He was die. die. Jesus took principalities and powers and nailed them to the cross. Call it today. Enter into His rest. Walk into the finished work of Jesus. Your enemy, the devil, is defeated.
We're about to run out of time. Let me just say quickly, uh, take a moment to call that number on the screen or to write to us or to go to our website and sow as generous of a seed as you can into the ministry. It is what enables us to take the gospel of grace and the gospel of the kingdom around the world. If you order the books that I mentioned, they're great Christmas gifts. They're $18 a piece and that is shipped. That's shipping cost and uh, they'll be a blessing to somebody and that will also help us to be able to continue with the television ministry and our traveling ministry. Come see us somewhere and we'd love to meet you in one of our meetings. All of that's listed on my website. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.